Hey everyone, this episode of An Eternity of Basketball is part of the Globally Ballin Podcast Network, a subsidiary of the Globally Ballin Media Network. For this show and other shows like it, such as the Globally Ballin Podcast, as well as projects like it, such as original articles and video work, visit globallyballin.com now. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe to it, as well as give it a five-star rating and a review. We appreciate it. Now, to the show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to an eternity of basketball. We're about to start episode 69 on this day. Uh, an eternity of basketball is now on Instagram. So please uh, follow our Instagram page. Check out everything that we post over there. Share it with your friends uh, so we can get bigger in this network of ours. We're part of the Globally Balling Network. Check out articles, audio, and video projects on the Globally Balling Network. Of course, one of the shows there, AOB. You got to catch that together with Hang Time and Rhonda. And on YouTube, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, well, the Global Evolving YouTube channel, because starting tomorrow, Feb 14, all uh, episodes 1 to 10 of AOB will only be seen on the Global Evolving YouTube channel. So we're going to migrate all our past episodes slowly to the Global Evolving YouTube channel. Eternity uh, of Basketball, anytime, anywhere, on the go. We're on Spotify, guys. You can listen to us even when you're in your car, if you're hanging out uh, in the waiting area. You can catch us on Spotify. And of course, Linktree. Slash globally ballin. That's the link you need for everything uh, that you want here on globally ballin and on AEOB. So now let's start our episode. Let's dive right into it. Well, he's been in the news, especially in the past the year, because uh, the last dance of the Chicago Bulls. Hey, that was his idea. He's the one. That he's the reason that even happened. He won an Emmy Award for that. He was an import here in the Philippines back in 1986 for the Tanduay Rum Makers. Lots of stories to talk about, so we'll, we'll just introduce him right away. It's Andy Thompson. I'm Charlie Kuna, together with Noel Zarate and Sid Ventura. And Andy, welcome to our show. Thanks, guys. I'm really, really happy to be here. Of course, people remember Andy uh, being here, uh, playing for the red and white of Coach Turing Valenzona, together with Mon Fernandez, uh, Freddy Ubal, the rest of that championship crew. A uh, bunch of great guys, some of the best, uh, the best in the Fili- in Philippine basketball history. But let's go all the way back. We're talking about history. Let's start from the start. Uh, you grew up in the Bahamas. You were you were born born and raised in the Bahamas. And and how does a guy from the Bahamas uh, get into basketball? Man, that's a great question. You know, it it, it I would probably have to, to give my brother Michael all the uh, the credit for that because for the most part. The Bahamas was known as a baseball nation. There were there were a couple of guys who broke out early and, and they got a chance to go and play in AAA and AA baseball. And eventually a couple of the guys went and actually played in the major leagues. 
And so, you know, as kids, when you see somebody make it, you want to try and follow the, the, in the footsteps of those guys who made it. So I was more of a baseball player all of my life until my brother, Michael, who was four years older than me, was discovered just, just by chance, pure luck, coincidence. His coach came over looking for another Thompson kid by the name of Charles Thompson. Charles Thompson was six foot seven, like my brother. Um, and he, he was an American coach looking for uh, this Charles Thompson through the recommendations of another Bahamian guy playing in a high school in Miami. So the coach comes over looking for my brother, looking for Charles. He jumps in a cab and he calls up uh, a friend of his before he jumps in a cab and he, and he says, the Thompson family that I'm looking for, where are they? And my brother only played church basketball, church league. Never played in high school in Nassau, in the Bahamas, but he dominated the church league because he was just a bunch of, a lot of short people. And he really developed a reputation in church league. And so the church leagues at that time were bigger than high school basketball and all the other leagues. And so okay. he got a little reputation as this tall, gangly kid who can dunk and block shots, grab mm. like 30 rebounds in a game. And so the, the, this guy who the coach contacted, oh, it must be the Thompsons. They're, the, they're a really tall family. Everybody knows them. And he sent the coach to, to our house looking for Charles. He walks up, introduces himself. Hi, I'm Co Coach Caldwell, and I'm here. We talked about your son Charles coming over and playing basketball for me. My dad looks at the coach and go, "What are you talking about? I don't have a son named Charles." I said, "What do you mean? <laughs> we spoke. We spoke about." The, he said, I, "My son's name's Michael." He says, "You're not. You don't have a son." No. He said, "He says. He said, Michael, come out here." Michael, six foot seven, seventeen year old kid at the time, walks out of the room. <laughs> True story. The coach goes. Well, I didn't come for Michael, but I'll take him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's how that's a Michael great was story. discovered. He was discovered purely by chance. Of course, my dad thought the coach was crazy, and the coach left his name and number. And uh, I had an older brother who was into baseball, and mm -hmm. he, he got a little exposure with the Dodgers back in the day. And he pleaded mm -hmm. with my dad. He said, let Michael go. He, he doesn't have any future here. He's not going to go to college. If he doesn't make it, he can always come back home. And right. with the with the encouragement of my older brother, my dad relented, sent Michael to Miami, and as you know, the rest is history. That's where Michael right. learned how to play. And that opened how about, how about, me how and about Andy? How about Andy Thompson? When did Andy Thompson start gravitating towards basketball? Only after Michael went to high school and started really playing well in Miami. That's when I went over and watched a game in high school in Miami and I saw cheerleaders. There were like 2,000 okay. people in the gym. Because in the Bahamas, you played most of your games outdoors. There were no gyms. There was, it was just bush league, right? And so when I saw organized basketball on an American soil with a hardwood floor, and I was like, wow. And right then when I was, he was seven, I was 13, I switched my focus more to basketball and, and left baseball alone. All right. And then and, and you followed his footsteps. He was eventually playing at the University of Minnesota, mm -hmm. uh, where he became the number one pick in the NBA, uh, in the NBA draft uh, for, for Portland. And then a couple of years later, there you are in Minnesota as well. How did that feel, trying to follow the footsteps of Michael, considering, you know, he became the number one pick? Well, once again, I, you know, it's probably one of the, the I call it a, a, a very fortunate mistake, if there's mm -hmm. such a thing as a fortunate mistake. 
I actually got a scholarship to play at the University of South Florida, is in Tampa, and I really didn't like it. We we played in a in a makeshift auditorium that was in a convention center. We really didn't have a home court, and once again, I went to see my brother play in his last college game. I was a freshman; he was a senior at that time, and I went up and I watched him play against Michigan and I think in Indiana, in an eighteen thousand seat you know, arena with wow. fans and national TV audience. I was like, whoa. So I was used to playing in the Sunbelt Conference with four or 5,000 people. I go to the Big Ten and there's 18,000 people in this arena. I get seduced by the bright lights. And I, mm-hmm. right then I said, Michael, do you think I can play in this league? He was like, yeah, why don't you transfer? And so I, I went back and I, I asked my coach if I can transfer, and of course he was so mad at me. He was so mad. He didn't want to let me go. Eventually he relented, and then I transferred, and I spent the, the next four years at the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. which uh, it, I say was a mistake because I got there. I was a big fish in a small pond. When I got to Minnesota, I was a small fish in a big pond. They had so many good players that were better than me, and I, I my career was just a series of stops and goes, ups and downs, and a lot of people lies there. Mm-hmm. Well, and not to mention the weather, of course, coming from yeah. Miami, going oh. to Minnesota. Yeah, I was going to mention. Yeah, I, didn't think that's I didn't think that one through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I did see, I know I did, I did, was able to catch a photo of you uh, in, in one of your Minnesota uh, teams, you wearing wearing the puka shell, so the, you know, the, the, the necklace, which which Michael Thompson made famous. Uh, he would, he would yeah. wear it even during the <laughs> official NBA games. But yeah, but that some guys went to the NBA from that team. You had, Kevin McHale, you had Randy Brewer, Trent Tucker, you know, Jim yep. Peterson, guys, guys that you played with and who eventually uh, played in the NBA with your brother. Um, yeah. let's, let's speed it along. After that, uh, after your career at, at the University of Minnesota, where did you first play uh, overseas? Or first did you play in the I, CBA or anywhere in the States? I tried out in the CBA and I was in Wyoming. And while I was there, I had a pretty good chance to make the team and I hurt my ankle. And okay. back 35, 36 years ago, if you're in the CBA, 40 years ago, it was no injured reserve. They sent you home and they said, okay, when you, when you mend, when you get better, you come back. They sent me home and they called me back, I think about four months later and said, hey, we want you back. Can you come back? But I was in a little town called Casper, Wyoming. Literally, the town folded up at five o'clock. There was nowhere to go, nothing to do. It was the most depressing town I'd ever been in in my life. And I was like... <laughs> I no way I'm going back to that team. I didn't want to go back. And then the next spring is when I signed a contract to play in France. I played in France for two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How'd you wind up in the Philippines? Yeah. yeah. Philippines was interesting. I came back from France wanting to try out one more time in the NBA. And my agent got me a tryout with the Seattle Supersonics. And I went to a, a, a camp prior to the, the veterans camp just so the coach can get to, to see me play and, and see if I could have a chance to, to make it. And while I was in camp, they signed Dale Ellis, who was one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. Right, right. Nate McMillan, who was a rookie. I was yeah, actually right. Nate McMillan's rookie. I shared a, a room with him. And once again, bad timing, man. They got Dale Ellis and they got Nate McMillan way better than me. I get cut. My agent says, well, you know, I heard about this – job in the philippines and i was like philippines did they play basketball in the philippines i had no idea there was any professional right, right. in the philippines and so right after i got cut from seattle he said if you want to go they want you on the plane in like three days he said you got a day to think about it 
Uh-huh. I wasn't sure about it. You know, I prayed about it. And the next day I called him up and he, and I said, ah, he says they play in $10,000 a month. I said, sign me up. Yeah. That's a lot of money. <laughs> right. 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 That's a, that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. A lot of money. Yep. And, and, and then you, you, so you didn't know anything about the Philippines. Uh, I'm no. sure you're, you're pleasantly surprised to know that the weather was something like the Bahamas, probably, you know, that, 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 uh, nice warm, fuzzy weather over here. You know, I'm, I'm sure you like that, but when you got here, did you hear that you were replacing a guy who was averaging 33 points and 19 rebounds, and yet they were not happy with his performance? They kicked him out. You remembered all of this? I, I can't believe you guys must do a lot of research, man. Yeah. We're, so, we're still yeah, in the PBA, and Charlie's a big time Dwight fan. Yeah, I was yeah, a man. Fan. I, I told you about it. When I heard man. they cut a guy averaging 33 and 19, I was like, what in the heck? Do they think I'm Michael Jordan? Like, I was like, <laughs> what did they expect me to do? I had no yeah, idea yeah. that there were guys who were averaging 35 and 40. So uh-huh. 33 was actually underperforming when you came to Billy Ray Bates and Rob Williams yeah. and maybe yeah. one other player. So I had no idea that you took 25 shots a game. You play all 48 minutes. And so I, I had no idea. I just thought <laughs> if they expected me to average 33 and 19, yeah, I'll probably be cut in three days. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to be Superman to be an well, importer back then. Yeah. yeah well, for, for a little context, uh, uh, the guy replaced Benny Anders. He, from my understanding, he, deli- he developed liquid in his knees. And uh, so, you know, his knees were uh, a little uh, shot. And his team was 0-4 at that time. So That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah you came, you came in, Andy. The team was winless. Yeah. And then yeah. you went on a winning streak. How did, how did you – obviously, so you come here, you get, get here at the airport, they, they bring you to practice, you meet your teammates, and then you, you, have, you probably have your first scrimmage. What was your first impression with these, this bunch of guys, uh, you know, Freddie and, and Ellie and Ramon, all these guys? Man, I was in awe. I, I, it was just such a whirlwind, right? Because the flight is like 23 hours. And so, uh, you know, you don't sleep much because you're so excited. And then when you get there, it's extremely hot and very humid, which mm-hmm. I didn't mind, but it was just hot. And then I get taken straight to practice. So without any stretching or any type of getting ready, I go to practice and, you know, and I get thrown into the lines then and I meet all these guys. And Rob Williams was the other import who was really mm-hmm. nice. And, um, you know, I tried to do my best. I played, I think I practiced well. I played well. Um, and then later that night, we went and watched a game. Mm-hmm. So once again, it's, t- what, tw- 12 hours difference? And so yeah, about was, if, to me, I was already up 24 hours. I remember falling asleep in the second quarter watching a game at the <laughs> Ultra. I was so tired. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. And then um, we had one more practice the next day. Um, and then during that practice, I tweaked uh, a calf muscle a little bit, just tweaked it. It was, you know, because I, I didn't, I wasn't stretched. I wasn't ready in game mode, in game shape. So I wasn't at my best when we, when I played the next night. So two nights later, after I arrived, we played our first game. And I remember playing really badly the first half. I think I had eight points on like four of 12 shooting. I, I just, mm-hmm. we, we were down. And I remember I was my head was down in the locker room and Rob comes up to me. Rob Williams says, Hey man, I've seen you practice, man. He said, Hey Judge. He says, Hey, he's called everybody Judge. Hey Judge, you can play. I've seen you practice. He said, and he gave me the best advice in my life. And I pass this on to everybody in wow. I see in the NBA. He said, There are two ways you can get cut here in the PBA. You shoot too little or you shoot too much. If I was you, I'd start shooting. You got this. Right. 
and he patted no, me no. on the back, and that gave no. me the confidence I needed. And I came out the second half, and I think I scored 18 or 20 points in the second half. Mm -hmm. And I picked up Rob's, and we came down to a last-second shot. Rob took mm -hmm. the last-second shot, missed it. I grabbed the rebound, took a dribble, shot a jump hook, and I hit a shot at the buzzer. And I won mm -hmm. that. And that right. started that started our win streak. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, that's right, right. Yeah. It was pretty good running. Speaking about yeah. talking uh shooting too much, Rob Williams had a tendency to do that. Can you tell us a little about about Rob Williams and, and uh really how good he was? Uh, because he was a first round pick in the NBA, just couldn't stick it. But he had been in the Philippines couple of conferences before that he had won the best import award already but what are your what are, what are you aside from the fact that he gave you the best advice uh, about playing basketball what else do you remember about rob williams rob was just a, a joy to be around the guy was was just you know had an infectious personality he was funny he was insightful he told the truth he, he told it as he saw it and he had a lot of answers for everything if if i wanted to find a place to, to go buy, you know, groceries. If I didn't know, you know, who to date, well, where to shop. He had an answer for everything, man. And he was <laughs> he was so he was so helpful to me in that first couple of weeks, finding my way around the city, who to trust, who not to trust, um, introducing me to some of the guys on the team, um, mm -hmm. and telling me about some of the things they like to do on the court. Um, just a great teammate, man. And I I I miss him. I miss him all the time because some of the best stories I've ever, I've, mm -hmm. you know, I always tell people is my time in the Philippines spending it with Rob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Andy, the, during your time here, that's the third conference of 86. That uh, perhaps was uh, one of the uh, best collection of uh, talents in terms of the imports you know, in, in one conference in the PBA. You had Billy Ray Bates playing for uh, Hinebra. Then you had Dexter Shaus. And you had several uh, players from the University of Houston, Michael Young, um, Alvin Franklin, oh, and uh, Rob, Rob Williams. Yeah, and Benny Anders, who you eventually uh, replaced. Uh, when, when you got here and you saw this uh, this lineup of uh, fellow imports, uh, what was your first reaction to that? I was like, wow, because some of these guys were ex-NBA players. Very seldom did I meet other ex-NBA players when I played in France because a lot of the, the ex-NBA players who played in Europe at that time played in the, the, the top leagues, the top divisions. I wasn't in the top division in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. So I never played against ex-NBA players. Mm -hmm. I, I played against them in summertime or in summer leagues or whatever. But playing mm -hmm. against ex-NBA players of that caliber, and these guys were young. I knew Billy Ray Bates because he played with my brother. So I knew That's Billy right. Ray Bates in Portland way before he, he got to the Philippines. So I knew what Billy Ray was capable of. Uh -huh. I knew Rob Williams was capable of. Um, Michael Hackett was another guy who didn't put up big numbers, but man, he was just a, a load to guard because he was six foot five, 265 pounds. <laughs> just an immovable yeah. object. At least. You know? yeah. yeah, so uh -huh. man, listen, man, I, when I saw what I was up against every night, I knew I had to get my rest. And I, uh -huh. and I thought, one thing I've been given that most of these guys don't have, I have a motor and I can run because I was yeah, in shape. Right. And so I remembered that I'm going to run whoever guards me up and down the floor so much so that by the fourth quarter, I'm going to still have a little bit in my tank and so that I can take advantage when they start grabbing their shorts, mm -hmm. I can get easy, you know, a couple of easy baskets and just run the yeah. floor. Because I, let me, let me, let me be honest, man. I was not the most skilled and the best, 
he's not even close to being one of the best shooters or players. But I had a work ethic. I knew the game. I was smart. I knew how to take advantage of angles. And and I had a great teammate in Rob who was not afraid to shoot and take a lot of the big, important shots. And that took right. a lot of pressure off of me because I, I was not that type of player at that time to take every big shot in the game. That was Rob's responsibility. So I, I was great to have him on my team that I can say, bring us home, you know, Rob, because – that's what you're great at. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Noel. Yeah, I was just going to ask, Amana, you, you, keep, uh, you, you mentioned Rob Williams, but among the local teammates, who do you remember making the biggest impression on you? Man, Ramon, Mon Fernandez. Mon was the smoothest guy. He was, I played against Alex English a couple of times, just, you know, fooling around. He's like Alex English. Wow. Smooth as silk, you know, skinny, who knew the game. You, you think you can figure him out, and they, pulls up quickly for a quick shot, or he, he drops steps and comes underhand. He was just one of the trickiest <laughs> best players that, I, that I've seen. And I'm so happy that he was on my team because he was the only Filipino player that was averaging 20 a game. So yeah. thank God he took up a lot of the, the scoring <laughs> slack that I wasn't able to give every night because he was just yeah. so good. He, he, was, he was the best Filipino player in the league at that time. He Mr. was. He was. El Presidente is his nickname. Yep. El Presidente. One of his one of his many nicknames. He had a bunch of them, yeah. but El Presidente was one of them. He he was the best player. He won MVP that year. But but you mm -hmm. also had the best small forward that year as well in Freddy Hubalde. You had JB Yango, and then you had the two little guys, Onchi de la Cruz oh, and Willie Generalao, who who kicked your ass <laughs> yeah, on great. defense. If you you know, especially Onchi, and you had Vic Sanchez backing you up too. Yes. Yeah, man, man, I wish I could see those guys. You bring them back a lot of good memories, man, those guys. Yeah. And here's the thing, man, you know, Filipino people are the, are the most friendly people in the world. They're, they're the nicest people I have ever met. And I've been all over the world with the NBA, and I've lived all over the world. But I have never met more of a friendly people on the planet than Filipinos, period. And that's whether they're there or in the United States, wherever they are. And my teammates just accepted me and embraced me and and treated me like they had known me for for years. And that and that made to me that was made me feel so accepting and gave me much more confidence in the beginning that I than I probably would have if I went to another team in Europe. Because in Europe, there's there's a disconnect with the language. There's a disconnect with the mm -hmm. culture. But for whatever reason, most of the guys spoke English. And then the culture was just so embracing, man. It was it was awesome. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned all of the names that, that you did. Uh, well, Charlie did, of course. JV, Anchi, Willie. They all guested on this show already. That's probably the common denominator yeah. for for everything. Yeah, the one so, guy we haven't gotten yeah. on is Padim. We haven't gotten Padim for some reason. Yeah, we haven't gotten Padim. Padim He's real? shy. Yeah, yeah Padim Israel Padim hasn't yeah. been on the show. I still He's remember shy. these names. That's crazy. I still remember these names, man. I only played there for four months, but the names are embedded yeah. in me. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, right. Was... Well, <laughs> sticking with the locals, I mean, who among the locals in the PBA gave you the toughest time in, in your four months in the league? If you can recall. Uh -huh. um, if you can recall. Your there opponents. Was, I, I, there was a guy, I think, who played, a small forward who played for great taste. He was just really physical. I can't remember. Arnie Dwadless? Was this Arnie no, Dwadless? Yeah. Arnie was with uh, Alaska Manny. that year. Maybe okay. Manny Victorino. Yeah, Might no, he's center, but a small yeah. forward. Where was Abbe King? Where was Abbe King at the time? 80, 87, Abbe was yeah, already Abbe King with... was great taste. Oh, great taste. Yeah, yeah. that, that might have been, been Abbe King. King. Great taste. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. For the most part, most Filipinos, as you know, they didn't guard any imports. Right? I mean, Joel was injured. You know, but yeah, that that but him, I remember him. Yeah. How about the coach? How about coach, coach Turo Valenzona? What do you remember mm -hmm. about him and how was he compared to the previous coaches you had in the States and in France? <laughs> hey man, he was uh he was an interesting character. He was an interesting character. I don't want to say too much, but uh you know, <laughs> you know he was very low-key. He, he he wasn't a screamer, he didn't he didn't get his points across by screaming and anything or anything like that. He just basically coached <laughs> the game and but it was just an interesting time in the PBA at that time, right? Where where certain things would happen in a game, certain mm -hmm. calls would be made, and you're like, well, what's going on here? I remember Rob telling me, he said, hey, if you see something go down tonight, keep playing. Don't question it. Just keep playing. I said, what are you talking okay. about? He was like, mm -hmm. well, you know, there's some bets going on. I was like, bets going on? Whoa. What are you talking yeah, about, right? man? So I, he's like, hey, if just – don't ask any questions. Just go with the flow. And anyway, so I remember a couple of times in a game where things were were going south and they should have been going north. And I'm questioning. I'm Rob's like, just play, brother. Just play. <laughs> and coach would be the same. Coach would be like, just play the game. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's yeah. that's interesting. That's interesting, <laughs> yeah. man. I hope we could uh, dive deeper into that. But wait, we yeah, we'll probably do that next time. <clears throat> you didn't know the PBA was it was, was yep. like uh, some of the games were fixed. Yeah, well, I, I've heard some allegations, but of yeah, course, yeah. I of don't course know we, if they were really proven. Stories like that, you know. But you know, I, well, I'm a lawyer, and, and I always say, if I if I wasn't there, I didn't see the evidence. I'm not going to say it happened, right? So, yeah. But but of course, I mean, I guess, I guess it happens everywhere. But yeah. But, well, but, you're, but yeah. Go ahead, Sid. Go ahead, Sid. Sid, are you there? Oh, his internet. His internet's no, 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 shaky. No, no, no. His internet's a little okay. choppy. Uh, well, uh, it's what. Well, that's what I heard. I, I, I can't I prove it, right? As a, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. way you can prove it, but it's oh, just like yeah. you, hear, you hear these things when you're an import, like, hey, man, just uh, just keep playing no matter what you see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't think Sid's with us yet yeah, at this he's, point. Yeah, he's... I was gonna say before the conference ended, uh, you injured your 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 calf. Was it your oh, no your knee? It was your knee right? You got an injury, okay. and how did that happen? Was it during practice or was it during an actual game? No, Michael Michael Hackett. Okay. Michael Hackett uh, fell on my knee and, okay. and, and, okay. and it buckled, and that yeah. that injury partially tore my my uh, meniscus and caused some damage was I, I was able to finish up the season, but that pretty much was the end of my career. Cause once that happened, I, I knew that, that that was it. I, I was done. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and you do recall, do you recall me? Of course, Michael Young was one of the better imports. He, he, he led his team to the finals against uh, Bates and then Hackett, but Michael Young remember beat you, beat you guys, or I'd say beat us. Cause I was a Tandwai fan on the last second three point shot. Uh, to eliminate Tandwai from finals contention. Do you recall that game where they, they set up that play, Michael Michael Young goes around the screen, gets that almost near half court, and he hits a lefty three-pointer to eliminate Tandwai from, from finals contention? Is that something Ma that you still recall? Michael was the toughest guard for me in the PBA. He was he was a ridiculous man because he had a handle. He was a guard and a forward. He can play both positions. right? And he can shoot the three. So how do you how do you defend a guy who can shoot the three, who could take you off the dribble, post you up, who's bigger and stronger than me? And I I, I would rather guard Billy Ray because mm -hmm. Billy Ray can do some 
some crazy things at the time. Right? <laughs> okay, that's that's different. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but Mike and also Michael, as you know, Michael took 35 shots a game mm -hmm. every night. Yeah. Right. I remember right. one night he scored, I, I think he scored 50, but he took he took 45 shots. So it, you know, <laughs> it shows you how many shots he had to do to get to 50. So yeah, I, right. I hated Gordon Michael because it was just impossible. I just hoped that he would miss when I tried to, you know, put my hand up there. But I, yeah, I remember that play and we were down 3-0 and I knew at that point in time there was no coming back. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, it was like poetic. He he ended he ended on misery, man, because I knew there was no <laughs> way they were going to beat them. Right, right. Yeah. Well, they made yeah. it to the finals, but they but they did lose uh, to to Hinebra. JB Yambo's watching, by the way, your former oh, yeah. teammate. He's watching right now. What's up? <laughs> was, yeah, we, uh, we got a, a, a message go, go from one of our fans. Um, Manuel Romero is saying that you used to be, you used to have a flat top. Yeah. When you yeah, were, that was when you were playing. Sorry, that was Paul, uh, Paul uh, Lim, who actually yeah. said you used to have a flat top hairstyle. I mean that was yeah. probably the thing back in back that in the day. That was the thing, yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. And you you were and you mentioned it earlier, Andy. You said you were in good shape. You could run for days during that time, and it showed because you know you you really looked like you were in game shape. But that happened to your knee, and then, then for some reason you guys weren't able to make it to the finals, and so the team wasn't able to to complete the three the three straight, which we call a grand slam here in the Philippines. But but so so you ended your career uh, pretty much after that. You didn't play any more competitive basketball after that knee injury. No, no, my knee was, it was just, it needed to be, I needed to have surgery. And I, I put off the surgery because I didn't, I didn't just want to, you know, rehab, knowing that I probably know no one's going to take a, a uh, give a, a contract to any player back then coming off a knee surgery, right? That was like, no way. Because when you think about surgery now, you can come back within six months or a year, depending on what it is. But mm -hmm. back then, if you had surgery on your knee, it was pretty much the, you know, a death sentence. And so yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to have surgery right away. And this is what happened, guys. So I, I leave the Philippines. I go back to Portland. My brother, who had just gotten traded from Portland to San Antonio. San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So he's in San Antonio. I, I'm in his house, taking care of his house, hanging out. And I go to see my girlfriend in New York City. Right? So I, I went to see my girlfriend in New York City. She, she was in New York. She took a job at the NBA. So mm -hmm. while I'm there visiting her, she says, hey, I heard there's an opening for a PA position at NBA Entertainment. I wow. said, what is NBA Entertainment and what is a PA? A PA is a production assistant. I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about the NBA or about this production assistant position. But while I was there, she arranged for me to sit down with the executive produce, producer, Don Sperling. Mm -hmm. And he interviewed me and we connected, we bonded. And he said, hey, there is not an opening now, mm -hmm. but if it opens up in two or three months, I'll give you a call. Right. What were you doing in between? I mean, from after uh, retiring from basketball completely, hanging out at your brother's house in San Antonio until you got to the NBA, what was what was Andy Thompson doing? I was trying to figure out what to do with my life because mm -hmm. I, you know, my knee was blown. I knew I, I had to figure out something pretty quickly, but in the meantime, I, you know, I knew I had this interview in my back pocket, and I was hoping that would come through. But I remember this is really interesting. I remember a friend of mine who I wasn't really doing anything. Fortunately, I had saved the money that I played uh, that I made in the Philippines, so I was living off of that. Mm -hmm. And he got a job for me as a sanitation driver on a garbage truck. Okay. And wow. I said, and I said, wait a second. You you think I want to be like a garbage truck driver? Like that's not. It's like no way I'm taking that job. And I remember I called <laughs> my brother and I complained to him and I said. 
can you believe this guy wanted me to work in a sanitation truck? And my brother said, so why didn't you take the job? I said, <laughs> I don't want to be a garbage truck driver. He said, that's not your career. That's just a job that'll tide you over until you figure out what to do with your career. So, but you think you're better than a garbage truck driver? He said, put your pride on the shelf, put your ego on the shelf and take the job until you mm -hmm. find something that you really can, you know, you're okay. interested in. And I yeah. really struck like a, like a thunderbolt. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. I need the money. It paid a lot of money. And I said, right. you're right, Michael, I, this is not my career. I'll take the job till I can figure out what to do. And you did. The next, the next day I call the guy up and I say, hey, I'll take the job. He said, man, you missed it by like 14 hours. Wow. The job was uh, somebody else took the job. Right, and here's right. the kicker, though. Here's the kicker. Later on that afternoon, after I was like depressed and I was like, man, what, what do I do? I get a call from the executive producer at NBA Entertainment. He said, Andy, it's Don Sperling. He said, do you still want interested in the job as a PA in, the, in New York? I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> said, then, uh, get here in two weeks and the job is yours. Wow. So just like that, I went from not having a job to to getting broken and saying, you, you know, take the career, take your, take the job, do you figure out what you can do with your career, being humbled, accepted the job, the job was no longer there, then getting the job of my dreams, which is what I'm still doing 35 years later. That was meant wow. for you. That was really yeah, meant was for really you. That was really meant for you then. Yeah, exactly. That's we're going to go down memory lane. We have some photos that we got, some of which you contributed, Andy. Let's look at them one by one. Let's just, just, just see whatever you remember. Here's the one at Minnesota. One of those. Wow. You know, obviously, you can see you there with the, with the I necklace. I can see Randy Brewer. <laughs> Man, we have, a, we have a lot of good players on that team, right? There's one, two, three, four ex-NBA ex players on that team. Wow. I yeah. see Trent Tucker, Randy Brewer. Is that Jim Peterson, number 20? Jim Peterson, yeah. And who's yeah. the fourth guy? The 33 was John Wiley. He, uh, excuse me. Uh, no, the 33 is Zeb Howell. He, he's, he never played anywhere, but there's a kid there, John Wiley, number 35, standing next to uh, okay. Randy Brewer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This guy was a six foot seven, six foot ten inch small forward who could shoot threes. And he never made it. He was better than probably Jim Peterson and better than Trent, but uh -huh. had a problem with the with the weed. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them went couldn't, that way. Couldn't stay off weed, man. But this guy was unbelievable. But he just yeah. couldn't stay off weed. Amazing, amazing talent. Trying to remember. Did you wear you're wearing number 21 here? Is there a specific reason that you chose 21? No, I don't, I don't even know why I chose 21. <laughs> I thought maybe my, Michael Cooper? No, no, I, I had that number ever since I was in high school. Okay. Oh, that's not about Coop, okay? Yeah, that's, or something like, if I could just play half as good as my brother's stuff, right? Oh, 43, <laughs> a, little, a, little, a, little, yeah, a little less. Yeah. yeah. 43, Michael Thompson. Okay, so there you are. And then your coach over here, uh, the guy in the middle, um, what's his name? I I, I listed it down. Jim Dutcher. Jim Dutcher. How was he? How, how you know as your college coach? Did he get on you? Was, was he a relentless kind of guy? One of those demanding Bobby Knight types? No, he nobody's nobody's like Bobby Knight. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> he was just the opposite. He was a very good X and O guy. He was a really good game planner, game practitioner. Um, yeah, you know, I wish he would have played me more, but <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, That's but right. I mean, I mean, you look at that. You look at 
certain positions. The center position, solid, right? Nobody's right. taking Randy's job. Trent, one of the best shooters in the history of the NBA. Nobody's mm -hmm. taking his job, and he and I are the same height. And the, the two power forwards on the sides of Brewer, they were starting power forwards. And, uh -huh. and then there's me with a bunch of other guys that are 6'5 to 6'7, tweeners, right? Mm -hmm. That was the only position that got substituted in and out the entire season. So mm -hmm. the one through four, five, and two were, were sort of the three position we rotated in and out. Somebody had a bad game, somebody else would come in. If that person yeah. had a bad game or two, the next person. Would so we never really established an identity for the yes, position right. I played in college, which was small forward. And Trent Tucker is the reason there's a 0 0.4 rule in the NBA, right? Because that's right. he made that three pointer for the <laughs> Knicks. Right. What's right. the next photo? Next photo, please. Let's move it on. Here uh, you are. Where's the flat top? <laughs> and there's on us. Yeah, this coach. And then there's Zaldi Latosa on your right. And the guy yeah. did he left. Did he bring you to some of his watering holes when you were here? No, back then I didn't drink. So I didn't, he didn't. You know what they used to call <laughs> me? They used to call me the Rev. Because I didn't drink, didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't go to any nightclubs. You know, I yeah. wasn't wasn't crazy like a lot of the guys all over the, you know, the city. So they, they called me the Rev because I tried to keep it straight and narrow. So you didn't hang, you out, hang, with out. You didn't you didn't hang, hang out with Billy, Billy Ray. Ray. That's for sure. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but where did you hang out when you were in the Philippines? Yeah. Where did you hang out? What were your favorite places to go to? Listen, man, I realized because I like I ran a lot and we played three games a week. And then when you weren't playing, you're practicing. I remember the first week I got there, I thought you can, you know, go out and buy all these great crocodile shoes and all these great suits for 50 bucks. Because it was like these really good Hong Kong tailors. You can buy custom-made beautiful suits for $50 or $100. Mm -hmm. And I remember Rob said, dude, while you're here, you got to go out buy all these shoes and buy all these suits. You ain't going to be able to get the same thing in the United States. So that first week, he took me around. And I remember coming back after spending two and a half hours, three hours in tailor shops and shoe shops. I was exhausted. And the next day trying to play, I had nothing in the tank. In the fourth quarter, <laughs> and I realized because of shopping, yeah, I was putting all my feet walking around. And I remember that. Yeah. Listen, I said, if I'm going to be, if I want to last in the Philippines, I need to stay off of my feet. So I remember after every practice, I would go home, literally get off my feet and stay in the stay in bed just so I can be prepared to play. Wow, wow, <laughs> enough shopping for you. No, That's no right. green no hills, no divisoria yeah. for you. Yeah, listen, I. T I same thing. I remember when I came back from the Philippines. No, before I went to the Philippines, I remember, no, when I came back from the Philippines, Michael was with the Lakers. He had gotten traded to the Lakers. Mm -hmm. So I go to the LA and I go to, and I'm in LA and I had never been to Beverly Hills or Santa Monica Beach or anything. And I'm asking my brother, Michael, hey man, this is your off day. Can you take me to Beverly Hills and we can go to Venice Beach and walk around? And my brother looked at me like, huh? Are you crazy? He said, do you know how hard we practice? We practice for three hours a day I got to pay 20-something minutes backing up Kareem. He said, man, I got to stay off of my feet. And when he said yeah. that, I was like, uh, I, now I get it. Because yeah, I had to yeah. do the same thing. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And that was a championship year for the Lakers. Yeah. So, yeah. And his rest did him good. What's what's next on the on the photo? Here's Rob. Yeah. Ah, my man. That's my man, There Rob. you are. You and Rob were co-best players of the game. That's Romy Quintanar in the yeah, middle. Yeah, Romy Quintanar. Yeah. He passed yeah. away as well, Romy. 
Oh wow! So yeah, so you're the only living guy from that, that photo. picture. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's a sad, sobering yeah. thought right there. Yeah, yeah. no, but the, but there's there's Rob. Uh, yeah, he was he was a great great import man. Yeah, Ball Rob. Rob was taking Steph Curry shots before Steph Curry was even born. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, absolutely, man. His range was ridiculous. You know, unfortunately, yeah. you know, he'd had a substance abuse problem, but he would have been in the NBA many years if it wasn't if it wasn't for that. That's right. Yeah. That's, I agree with that. I mean, he they did pick him high. Denver did, but he didn't. He didn't stick around. But yeah, we talked about his talent and how and how good he was. And yeah, yeah, there you are, best player of the game, co best players. You probably got some sort of a Jolly B hamburger gift certificate. <laughs> was, it was a Jolly B best player of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. No, there was also a time they gave away uh, uh, rubbing alcohol. Oh, <laughs> rubbing alcohol. I remember yeah. Green Cross or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have Jollibee where you are right now, Andy? Do, do you do you still get get to get a Jollibee every there's now a, and then? There's a Jollibee in New York in Manhattan. Yeah, there, is, there is one. No, I could I could get I could find Tundwai rum though. I had some the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, they recently uh, just partnered with yeah. Milwaukee and uh, who's the other Minnesota. team? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. And why? Yeah. Partnering yeah. with the NBA teams now, so that that's crazy. Okay, what's what's <laughs> what's next on the slideshow? There's there's you. There's Ramon. Ramon. Yeah, like I said, man, I was so I was probably so happy because he probably had about twenty five that night and and just you know <laughs> went to work on whoever who was guarding him and probably won the game for us. That's why I was so happy, yeah. man. Well, there's <laughs> Michael the, Young the on the other picture. <laughs> but look at the caption, Andy, of that photo. It says Ramon Fernandez is the X factor, acting like a third import for Tanduay. <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah, he was that good. He was, he was, he was averaging twenty a game. I think, yeah. I think, one of the imports. One of the lowest scoring imports was um, who was the guard for great taste? Alvin, Alvin, Franklin. 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 Alvin Franklin. Alvin Franklin was only averaging like twenty one or twenty two, and he was an mm -hmm. import. Yeah. yeah. So you know, Mon was averaging twenty. So yeah, he was an import. Yeah, Alvin Franklin played with Lewis Lou Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Lou Jackson was the yeah. was the big import for great taste. Now, was this Michael Young taking the winning shot against you guys over at the photo of the right? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the image that I remember. Michael Young, you know, he just let me jump in on the, on the other side. Michael Hackett. So yeah, the two Michaels, Michael Hackett and Michael Young. And Do you remember Andy. that game? Uh, and that was the game that eliminated Tan Dwight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah he, he talked about it that's earlier when you were having internet oh, okay. issues. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. when he glitched. Okay. when you glitched. <laughs> yeah, what's that? We're, we're going. We're going. We're going quickly through the photos. Uh, here yeah. you are on the cover of Sports Weekly. Yeah. And uh, I got to ask about the headline on the second one, the sexiest yeah. import of all time. <laughs> Andy, you know what? I, I, I have to tell this story because when, when Andy was here, I remember all the lady fans and the not lady fans. Uh, <laughs> the fans who think they're ladies. Yeah, the ones who think that they're, that they're ladies. They were screaming your name. They were the sexiest import of all time written by who? Tessas Mines, right? Yes, my college professor. Oh, Tessa? Uh, oh, Tessa yeah. wrote that? Yeah. 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 Oh, She's okay. my college professor. Yeah. Wow. She had a thing for you back then, the sexiest import <laughs> of all time. What can you say about that? Man, I, I don't even know how to... I, I have nothing to say about that other than, you know, <laughs> hey, it's just one of those things. You, you read it and you kind of go, holy crap, what, what did I get myself into? Well, that's the price <laughs> for keeping yourself in really good shape. I mean, look at that photo, eh? you know? <laughs> Look at that smile and everything. Yeah, you captured no, the, the crowd. And Tessa's, Tessa's probably going to say, hey, Andy, you still look good. 
When you see yeah. her, if you if you hear, if you hear from her, tell I said hello. Okay. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we, will. Uh, we will. get to speak to her fairly often. She's still pretty active in the basketball circles. Sports she's yeah. she's running a, a PR agency, one of the most successful PR agencies in the Philippines. That's awesome. That's I hope yeah. when, I, when I, next time I come down, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you guys get get some of the crew together so I can see everybody. Right, right, right. right, right. Well, we'll take care of you when you get back here. What's the next photo? Oh, there's Clay. Oh, let's talk about this guy for for a short while. Tell <laughs> us about how. How you remember him growing up, and then how 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 great he is right now. How proud you how proud you are probably of him. Oh man, I am so proud of him. Man, this kid. I remember the first time I actually played against him. You know, I'd always see him when they were little kids and riding their little bicycles and on skateboards and all that kind of stuff. But and then when he finally started maturing and and getting more involved in basketball, I remember I went out to see my brother in Portland. He was play was only 13 at that time. And I went to see my brother and I went over to his house and I was anxious to see the boys. It was this Mikey, Clay and Trace. And Trace mm -hmm. is the one with the baseball career over here. But I remember Mikey and Clay, well, Michael always talked about them and how good Mikey was. And Mikey was this, and Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. And so I said, all right, I'm gonna go out. And I shot around with Mikey and Mikey was okay, right? You know, he was about six foot three, six foot four at the time. He was only like 14, but I knew he was gonna be tall. And then, I came and I said, Clay, your turn. So Clay comes out and he, he's out there and he pulls up and hits a three. I was like, yeah, that's good. And, you know, I'm not playing great D at this time. And he hits another three. So I go, okay. Yeah, that's just luck. All right, all right, I'm going to play a little better defense on you this time and see if you can hit another. So I got up on him and he went and made a move and stepped back and hit the third three. Then I said, okay, now we're going to really play. And so we played like up to five. And I couldn't believe how well he can shoot. And I remember I went into the house and I said, Mike, Michael, I don't know about Mikey, but that boy Clay can shoot, man. And that's the truth. <laughs> I said, now no one knew he would be this this guy who was one of the yeah. greatest shooters in the history of the game. That's we right. just we hoped that he would be have a career that was similar to like a Kyle Korver, who was just known as a really good catch and shoot guy who, who made a who made a living for 15 years. So to see what he's done with his career. And become arguably one of the greatest shooters in the history of the game. Nobody could have seen that. Yeah, yeah. We hope he bounces back from from the double injuries. Yeah. That, yes, it's been pretty bad luck for the past couple of seasons. But but I know he. You know, when you shoot as well as as, as he does, I don't see any hitch when he gets back. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I told him. I said there are certain things in life, man. That you you'll never know the the silver lining in this. You might never see for years to come. I said, but mm -hmm. at some point you'll look back and you'll understand why you had to go through this and it'll all make sense. But I said, but right now it sucks. I know you want to play, but one day it'll make sense, but just, just do what you need to do to get yourself mentally right first and the rest mm -hmm. will fall. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to the next photo. Yeah, that's on, that's on clay. Here we are. Okay. That, that's when we met. That's in the lobby yeah. of the hotel. Andy back <laughs> That's right. Oh, Charlie, you put on. The guy beside you on your left. Yeah. The guy beside you on your left, you played against him. You played for Alaska when you were here. Oh, wow. I don't know that. He was normal black team. His name's Frankie Lynn. Frankie Lynn. The other guy's yeah. a coach as well. That's Coach Ariel Van Guardia. We all happened to be sitting in the lobby. I saw Andy Thompson walk by and I said, That's Andy Thompson. I had no idea you were with the NBA and all of that. I didn't know. I, you know, I didn't read really? about it yet. So I walked up to you and I said, you're Andy Thompson. And I remember you said, yes, I am. And, and then we started talking about Tandoi and all of that. So 
I had to sneak in a photo opportunity with you. And and then uh, remember, you asked me for for Mon Fernandez, uh, Freddy Ubalde, and Ellie Capasso's telephone numbers, and 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 I did give them to you. I emailed them to you that same evening, I think, or, or the day after. So yeah, so you were able to see Ellie, right? Uh, yes. Know, that, yes. I, uh, I remember because I saw you guys talking at the game, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellie <laughs> Who was the the team captain at the time when you played here, and he, yeah, unfortunately passed away a couple of years after that. Oh man, yeah. well, yeah. we're all getting old, huh? We're all getting uh, old. Yeah. I look, I look a lot younger back then too. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie looks like he was uh, a lot um, younger yes. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like he just came from the hotel buffet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that's, like that's, had... about, that's about 15, 20 pounds ago, man. So, yeah, yeah. Proud that I've lost all of that. Yeah, but but there I am talking to Andy Thompson. It was a thrill for me, of course, Andy. I remember I was a, I told you I was a Tandoi fan. Let's move on. That's too much exposure for me and my. This is something we need to you know touch on before yeah. before we we do let you go uh, in a bit. Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you thought about it in '87. There was your brainchild and all of that. Just quickly. Why, why was it significant to you and, and why did you suggest it? Well, quickly, because I had gotten to know Michael Jordan through uh, a lot of his uh, DVDs. We did Michael Jordan's Playground, Michael Jordan Come Fly With Me, Airtime. We did all of his DVDs back then. We had a, we had a contract. We did, we did five of them and I worked on a lot of them. And he got to know me because he had a lot of respect for my brother, Michael Thompson. He used to spell his name with a Y, M-Y-C-H-A-L. And his mom was like, no, no, no. Write the name the way it's supposed to be written. And I remember him telling me that story the first time I met him. And so we we bonded very quickly because of his respect for my brother. And over the years, and spent a lot of time with him doing the dream team. I, I documented the whole dream team right. uh, experience from, from training camp to Barcelona. So we really spent a lot of time over the years. And then all the championships up to the one in 97. And I remember seeing the crowds of people especially in the Olympics and then in, in his last couple of years, the, the people around him and the world around him was always just swirling, like whirling dervish of, 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 of uh, energy. And I, and I never really caught that the way I wanted to. And so in 97, when they won their fifth, I really felt the team was not going to come back. They were going to break up. And I went to Adam Silver and I said, Adam, this team comes back. We have to, to document Michael's potentially last year. I said, it will be a crime if we allow him to retire and we don't document a full season with him and the Bulls. And he loved the idea. And that's where he, on the, right on the spot, greenlit the project and said, if they come back, let's do it. Fortunately, they came back. And that's when the project began in the, in the fall of, of 1997. Why did it take so long from 97 to 2020 to produce this epic? Guys, you believe in fate, don't you? Everybody believes that there are certain things for certain people, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just like you said before, when I took that job, that, that, that I wanted that job with, with the sanitation department, but it wasn't there, and then the NBA call a couple of hours later, that was for me. Well, over the years, we tried to, to, to make the film happen, but for one reason or another, Michael Jordan came back in, 19, in 2001. So that mm -hmm. he didn't want to have anything to do with a film coming out in the middle of his second career with the Wizards. And so we pushed, we, I got the cameras again and followed him for two more years in Washington. Then he retired in 2003. It ended in such a sour note. He walked away from the game and just was just so down on basketball and the way it ended for him. He basically said, 
we're now working on the project. So that went away. And so now that's five years after the fact. And then two years later, he joins the Charlotte Hornets. Mm -hmm. So now he's an owner. And so once he became an owner, then everything was pushed to the back burner. And it wasn't until year 18, where which was 2018, we we finally heard something from a producer who was interested in it. And he was the one who went to Michael, got a meeting with him and pitched the idea that, hey, it's time. It's time for the kids yeah. to see who you are. And in 2018, it was greenlit. And fortunately, in 2020, in the pandemic, with everything just being shut down and no and and sports was taken away from everybody, this was the right place and the right time yeah. for this film to come out. And that's why I say it's fate. Yeah, yeah. Timing 23 is everything. years later, right? Timing is everything, and obviously it was it was quite quite the show. People were anticipating the episode as the weeks went by, and then the yeah. buzz was all about it. For I, I had least some a month afterwards, copies. I had some pirated copies before they came out, so I already they're knew gonna it was going to sue you. Happen. They're going to sue you for they're that anyway. So I don't have it. You Somebody else over. had it. <laughs> you were all over the talk shows. You're all over. You know, you you've guested in in a couple of of local shows as well, talking about uh, that that entire experience. But but you know, let's talk about other things that you've done in the past. You did the Doctor J documentary as well. That must have been great. Walk uh, working with Doctor J. We're more of, I know, I I can probably relate more to Doctor J than I can to Michael Jordan, um, because of, of how great he was when I was a kid. But but uh, and 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 that that also won an Emmy was is that right the the doc the, the yeah, Doctor J yeah. documentary yeah so Doctor J Doctor J's agent and my brother had the same agent when my brother first got into the NBA as a number one pick Doctor J's agent was my brother's agent Irving Weiner mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. Doctor J would come to my brother's basketball camp in Minnesota and that's where I first met Doctor J when I was in college mm -hmm. and I worked as a counselor and Doctor J flew in and I man I remember. Remember, Dr. J was Jordan before Jordan. He was mm -hmm. yeah. everything. He was that he was the man that I I wanted to play like. I fashioned mm -hmm. my game after. You know, and trust me, I, I wore cons, everything because of Dr. J. So meeting <laughs> him when I was in college was unbelievable. So later on, you know, when I got to the NBA and we knew each other because of the connection with the agent. And seeing him over the years and then finally coming full circle, we were able to do that documentary with him was a dream come true, man. Yeah. Well, so is this. You're holding an Emmy. Uh, that's a dream come true as well. Oh, wow. I mean, from, from yeah, I was, I was, we were talking about it before the show, you know, when I, when I got a trophy for, for some work that I did as well, it's like the Oscars in the Philippines. Moment I got the trophy, there was a major flashback from everything that led to that point. I was asking you, did that same thing happen to you when you got that Emmy Award? Wow. Um, the Emmys happen where you, you know, you hear the buzz, right? We, I always said this. I always said when, once, we, once we shot Michael's last shot, when he hit that shot in, in Utah and they won the game and we got back to our office and I turned to my other coworkers and I said, we have just captured, I think, the greatest sports documentary in the world. And I'm not kidding because we spent a whole year with him. And I equate it to as, uh, as if somebody was following Tiger Woods the year he got the four majors right, with, right, the, right. with the slam. When he Imagine mm -hmm. if a, a crew had followed Tiger Woods, who was the greatest athlete, you know, 10 years ago with the biggest Q rating in the world. 
and we, someone followed them for those four majors, and it's all in the can. You would you would say we have got the greatest sports documentary of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, what it's like to be Tiger Woods in the middle of the storm and winning the greatest feat in golf history. Right. Well, that's what it felt like when I when I when we shot and we wrapped that shoot in '98. That we felt mm -hmm. that we had captured the greatest sports documentary. Period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though. Back then, we documentaries are only 90 minutes long, two hours at the most. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody was pitching at that time. We would do a two-hour documentary. So fortunately, it never got made because Mike Toland, the producer who basically came on board, he came on board and said, we want to do a 10-part episodic of, <laughs> of Michael's entire career. We used the 98 season as the thematic that strings the whole thing together. Right, right. And so when when I saw the concept, I knew it was going to be a, one of the greatest documentaries of all time. So right. I'm not saying this to, to brag. I'm just saying I knew what we had, but I'm right. just so happy that what Mike was able to do with it, with Jason here, the director was able to do with it. Mm -hmm. And they, they took the vision that we had and they made it bigger and better than we ever hoped. And so the Emmy was the crowning thing that so many people have poured their lives into over the last 20 years and the last right. three years that it felt like validation. Like I always felt it. And now it's just confirmation that yes, other people see it and believe it too. Well, plus the product was pretty yeah. easy to sell, right? Michael Jordan, it's not, it's not hard to sell a guy like Michael Jordan. Oh man, listen, everybody thinks that they can do one now. I think Magic is working on one. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard um, there's another player, I think Shaq might be doing, you know, everybody wants wow. episodic, <laughs> you know, yeah. multi-episodes, but you don't have the, we, we had a library of Michael access mm -hmm. that he had given us over the years that was bigger than right. anybody else's. Right, it's right, not right, easy right. to do 10 episodes yeah. if you don't have mm -hmm. access. Yeah. And I think a lot of these awesome. companies now are going to try to stretch mm -hmm. and make these nine, 10 episodes and, and it's not going to be nowhere near as good. Yeah. Right. So right, go. Yeah. One quick question, Andy. Was there any story or scene there that you regretted ha uh, that you had to leave out uh, from the last dance because there simply wasn't enough uh, space or or yeah. time to include it? Yeah. Yeah. I I wished they would have gotten into the story of Michael and this young woman, this young girl that he befriended, who had who was born with cerebral palsy, and she had gotten to be really close to Michael in his last five or six years with the Bulls. And Michael and her developed a really serious bond and a really great relationship. And quietly, and no one knew about this, Michael paid for a lot of her surgeries over the years. Multiple surgeries that would help repair things or to, to help her live a more comfortable life. And she was wheelchair bound, and but she had this beautiful spirit, man, and just this beautiful person and this beautiful relationship that her and Michael shared, and we were able to capture that. And um, but for some reason, the director didn't want to make that a part of the film. Mm -hmm. But I thought it, I thought it should have been a part because it showed Michael's humanity. Because mm -hmm. as you've seen in the film, Michael can be really salty at times. He can be tough. Mm -hmm. to do, oh right? yeah. But off oh, the yeah. court, man, Michael was the most giving person I've ever seen. I would not want to be Michael Jordan for one week, maybe for a day, but for one week of, <laughs> of, of, of people bugging yeah. him and the request and 
the phone calls and the people. But he was always so nice to people, in spite of all the people just reaching and grabbing at him. And the fact that he did this to this girl and and made her life and prolonged her life because of all of the medical assistance he gave to wow. his charitable giving. I wish that would have been told yeah. because he's that would have been a good yeah. It would have been, been, nice. been a nice touch yeah. to, to that to that yeah. documentary. But right. but Andy, you did tell us uh, top of the show that that uh, you with your busy schedule you have something to to, to attend to now. So uh, well, uh, do you have a couple of minutes left, or or yeah, do you need yeah, to a couple go of minutes. Yep. I, 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 right. I told my wife, so she's she's being patient. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Thompson. But yeah, well, it's it's been a great chat. Obviously, we haven't really delved into a lot of things that we wanted to talk about right here. So I'm 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 actually going to do a public uh, invite right now. You know, now that everyone's watching, I'm going to say you need to come back for a second part uh, one of these days. You know, sometime down the road. When you let have me ask you this, though, let me ask you this. Why don't you ask your fans if they want me back, they should let you know. And if they let you, if they say, Yeah, they want me back, I'll come back. Okay, <laughs> I, and I will do that. I want to have Facebook you and page. Michael on the same show, Michael Thompson and yeah. Andy Thompson yeah. on the same yeah. show. But, but Noel, Charlie, Noel, Charlie, yeah. and Sid definitely brother? want you back. Yeah, Noel, Charlie, yeah. and Sid want you back, Andy. But yeah. I'm going to go through quick, just a quick bunch of, of uh, quick questions for you. You just tell me your choices. I'm going to give you some choices. You tell me who you choose. No explanations. Let's just go, you know, rapid fire. Uh, I do this at the at the end of uh, most of our shows. It's called X's or O's. I'm going to ask you, Billy Ray Bates or Rob Williams? Rob Williams. Only because I, that's my teammate, man. You got to stick with the blood. All right. Okay. Michael Hackett or Michael Young? Whew. Boy, one guy beats you up. And just made your life miserable, and the other guys just, just never stopped. Never saw a shot he didn't like, and just shot every time he got it. So, I, I actually would rather, I would actually rather get beat up by Michael Hackett. <laughs> okay. All right. How about uh, Dexter Schultz or Harold Keeling? Oh boy, Harold Keeling was super fast. Dexter could jump out the gym. Uh, I would go. Uh, Dexter Schaus, man, was box office. That guy can right. yeah. dunk on anybody. Right, yeah, right. And he was here on the show right. two weeks ago. Norman yeah. Black or Michael Hackett? Norman Black, tell you a quick story. I remember one game I had like 38 points and 28 rebounds, right? And I was like, okay. damn, I was playing against my um, Norman Black. Alaska. And I looked at my stats, dude. I was like, yeah, man, you know, because Norman Black's a good rebounder. I was like, man, I played well tonight. And then I saw Norman Black had about 30 and 35 rebounds. <laughs> Still out-rebounded. He out-rebounded yeah. me by like seven. I was like, how did he get 35 rebounds? So <laughs> Norman Black. Yeah, okay, Norman Black. How about Willie Generalau or Onchi De La Cruz? Man, Onchi, Onchi was... Uh, <laughs> Archie gives you the ball more, so I go Archie. Okay. <laughs> JB Yango or Padim Israel? Padim. Padim, uh, he was, he was, I was closer to Padim probably than anybody else on the team. And Freddie okay. Obaldi. Right. Freddie okay. Obaldi. Team. Interesting. How about this? Yeah. David Stern or Adam Silver? Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's okay. the best okay. answer. Lakers or Bulls? They're equally as brilliant, man. They are, they're, yeah. they're completely different. But they are some of the smartest people that I've ever dealt with. They all yes. they play chess while everybody else is playing checkers. That's right. David Stern right. Was, is my peg for a commissioner. Lakers yeah. or Bulls? 
Bulls. Bulls. Bulls, okay. How about Michael or Clay? Oh, listen. I got more (laughs) respect for my brother. Obviously, he opened the doors for me, and he's got two rings. He's been to four championships. Clay has three rings, went to five straight NBA finals, has a gold medal from the Olympics and a world championship gold medal. So Clay is easily winning that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> How about Kevin McHale or Randy Brewer? Oh, Kevin McHale, man. Kevin McHale yeah. is probably the second greatest power forward. Well, not second, third greatest power forward of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. Magic or Kareem? Kareem. Kareem, Kareem. yeah. As much as, as much as I love Magic, and Magic is the man, Kareem's got what, six MVPs, six, six, yeah. Six championships, titles. three uh-huh. straight college championships. He changed right. he the changed sky hook. The sky the hook for me. Yeah, for yeah. Me. He, yeah, he should be considered the goat up there with Jordan yeah. and LeBron. And yeah, Charlie yeah, and I agree that he's the goat. Actually, yeah. more yeah. than yeah. more than yeah. Jordan. He doesn't get talked about enough, right? Yeah. Oh, doesn't get talked yeah. about. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. 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 Well, that's for me. So we all have our own opinion. Let me ask you, Charlie, who's on your Mount Rushmore for the right now? For the NBA. Yes. For the NBA, I have yeah. uh, Kareem at center. I have Larry Bird at one forward. Uh, I probably have, uh, I'd say, Elgin Baylor at the other forward. I'd put uh, Magic Johnson at uh, one guard and Michael Jordan at the other. Oh, that's five. Only four. That's five. Yeah, you only don't four. need four. It's not Rushmore. It's not Oh, four. Yeah, just four. Okay, I'll take out Elgin Baylor then. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So Kareem, yeah. Magic, Jordan, and Larry Bird. Oh, my goodness. You. Bill Russell's got 11 rings. Yeah, yeah I know. I have, I know, I have a Bill Russell. Bill Chamberlain's <laughs> got every record. Yeah, 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 I, I, understand, right? I understand. But, you know, I had to Jordan pick one center and match three for me. That's my Mount yeah. Rushmore. That's, that's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Who are those? Well, who, who, did, who did you have? Russell and Chamberlain? Yes. And Russell and Chamberlain. And Magic and Jordan. Magic yeah. and Jordan. Yeah, okay. Hey, nobody's better there. I mean, you know, everybody has their own. But that, that's a great I actually have well. Stockton over Magic in my Mount Rushmore. What? <laughs> really? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just a couple more. Mon okay. Fernandez or Freddie Hubalde? Mon Fernandez. He, to okay. me, he's the greatest Filipino player I've ever seen. All right. Yeah, I agree. I, same here on our side, too. He's the Kareem for me in the Philippines. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, just a couple more. Robert De Niro or Al Pacino? Oh, um, Robert De Niro. Al Pacino, he overacts for me, to me. Okay, all right. <laughs> and the last one is Denzel Washington or Will Smith? Denzel. He's, Denzel. He's my favorite Denzel. actor. He's my favorite right. actor. You know, I met, I met him. I met him last year when I was at a Laker game. Rick Fox, you know, he's a fellow Bahamian. Right, was right. After game with him, and he introduced me to, to um, Denzel. And he says, hey, man, this is Michael Thompson's brother. And he uh-huh. didn't say, he didn't say, Michael Thompson's your brother. He was like, oh, so Clay is your, your nephew? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> all my life, all my life, I've been known as Michael's little brother. That's what right. I, oh, this is Michael's little brother. Michael, now I'm known as Clay Thompson's uncle. That's right. <laughs> I, wonder, I, wonder what, what, I wonder what Michael has to say about that. You know, Michael's one yeah, funny yeah. guy as well. He, has, yeah. he talks a lot of funny stuff. Well, let's, let's, get, let's get Andy back Denzel, and probably man, bring in Denzel. Michael and Clay. How about yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Let's get the whole Thompson clan in here. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, yeah. I know I know you need to go, Andy. Uh, you know, we, we kind of sped up this episode, but it's been great. Nice stories. There's a lot more. I'm going to post it on our page. I'm going to ask the fans if they want to, and I'm going to show you the screenshots and everything because I'm pretty sure they're going to say yes. But but that's all the time we have, guys. Uh, 
for for uh, this episode of uh, Eternity of Basketball with Andy Thompson. And hopefully we can get you sometime in the near future to come back. Let's talk a little more about the Last Dance and and inside stuff and and, and the Dream Team and all of those things that that you've been a part of the bubble, the, you know, the NBA bubble that just that you were there, so you got to to see a lot of things behind the scene. So, so oh, yeah. there's, there's lots of stuff that we can still talk about here. Hopefully we can sit down once again very soon. But but for now, episode 69 is in the books. It's uh, Noel's favorite episode, 69. And uh, well, in 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 uh, in twenty games back in nineteen eighty six, he played here in the Philippines and uh, was able to score twenty three point five points per game, thirteen point nine rebounds. He had a high of thirty eight points in his PBA career for the Tanduay Rum Makers. But now he's with NBA Entertainment, and there's so much more to talk about. Hopefully, it will be in the near future. So for Sid Ventura. Noel Zarate, Aaron Aronson behind the scenes. I'm Charlie Kuna. We're thanking you, Andy, for joining us on this episode Thank of you. AEOB. Thanks for joining us. Thank Thanks. you, Andy. Thanks for having me. This was fun, man. I can't wait till we do it again. All right. All right. That's great. So, okay, we have that. We're going to do it again soon. My, all our friends and followers here on AEOB, thank you for joining us for this quick episode of episode 69. AEOB, it's in the books. We're signing off. See you soon. See you too, man. Thanks, Thank Andy. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. That concludes this episode of An Eternity of Basketball. As a reminder for this show and others like it and projects like it, go to globallyballin.com as well as follow Globally Ballin on all social media, including facebook.com slash globallyballin, Twitter at globallyballin, and Instagram. You can also follow this show directly at An Eternity of Basketball on Instagram or facebook.com slash an eternity of basketball. Thank you, and make sure to catch next week's episode.